Despite what Kyrie Irving says, the earth is not flat, but the NBA is, and it's why the Jazz depth matters more than ever. Plus Tim Lacombe on the summer or the off-season interview series, all coming up on today's Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Today, we'll look at how the NBA has flattened. How many teams actually have a differential over eight like the dominant teams once did? Over five or even just over two is much different than it ever once was. Plus, we'll look at last year's breakout team the Sacramento Kings and where they ranked compared to where they would have ranked in years past to show you the flattening and then how this impacts the Utah Jazz and why their depth might matter more. Tim Lacombe, radio studio analyst for the Utah Jazz, joins us for the interview series as well. As I mentioned, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, Geeky numbers and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thank you for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Every dayers, I adore you. Thank you very much for being here each and every day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps, available on YouTube, chat uh, up in the YouTube room. You do great stuff. Appreciate that very much. And thanks to Tim Lacombe, T Lacombe on Twitter for joining us. Please send a thank you to Tony and Sarah and Thurl and Ben Anderson, everybody's joined us on the summer interview series this year. Greatly appreciate um, all of them. All right, let's get to it. So last year, the Sacramento Kings were the surprise team of the NBA and their differential, their offensive efficiency minus their defensive efficiency, which is always kind of the best way to look at a team and project where they are is their differential um, more than their win-loss record. Kind of it's a great indicator. Win-loss is what matters, but... So Sacramento wins 48 games last year. They're the surprise team of the league. And their differential was a 2.6 last year. There were Last year, there were six teams with a differential over three. The Denver Nuggets were a 3.3. It's one of the lowest differentials ever for an NBA champion. And yet they were the second best differential in the West last year, 3.3. Memphis was the best at 4.0. The West particularly was down. Put, put this in perspective. Memphis was number one at 4.0. They would have been fourth the year prior, go to pre-COVID 18-19 year, and with a four differential in the West, they would have been the sixth best team in the West, or they would have been tied with Denver behind Golden State, Utah, Houston, and Portland uh, in 18-19. This is, this is Memphis was number one in the West last year at a 4.0. And if you go back to the 17-18 season, the Warriors and the Jazz and the Thunder would have all been better than them. They would have been fourth. It's a dramatically, go back to the 15-16 season. We're now pretty far back. But you literally have the Spurs and the Warriors at plus over plus 10 and the Thunder at plus 7 and the Clippers at plus 4.5 before you get to a team that's plus 4 like Memphis, who was the number one differential team in the West. Probably a note that's important when kind of projecting the season. People seem to have forgotten that about Memphis. Denver was the second best at 3.3. And then Sacramento was the 
third best differential in the Western Conference last year at 2.6. And they were only two points off or three points off the second best team in the league in differential. Cleveland was the second best differential in the NBA last year at 5.6, like a crazy low number. Boston was the only team over six last year in the NBA at 6.7. And then they you decide what you think of their move to add Chris Dapps-Brzingis for Marcus Smart. Same thing you can decide with Memphis at 4.0. Um, so those are like, that is a flatter NBA than we've ever seen. Let, let me show you how. So in, if we just go back a year, this is where the trend started. We at least had two, three teams over six, Utah, Boston, and Phoenix. Phoenix at seven, Boston at seven, and Utah at six. Sacramento at 2.6, one year prior, instead of being eighth, would have been 11th. And they would have been five off the second best team instead of three points. We go to pre-COVID to 18-19. And the best teams, again, are Milwaukee's at a nine at this point. And Sacramento, instead of being eighth best in the NBA, would have been 11th best at 2.6. And they would have been four off instead of three off the second best team. There was a pretty big gap that year. We go to 15-16, just slide down three years in sample size to see where we are. We would have had three, two teams I mentioned earlier over 10. Oklahoma City over seven. Cleveland over six. And we finally would have gotten down with a little more top heavy, you would have gotten down to Sacramento at their 2.6. They would have been 10th, but they would have been eight points per hundred possessions off the second best team in the league instead of three. It's a flattening of the league. When you look at these teams in the 12, 13 season, let's just drop. We're dropping kind of three years at a time. The top best teams were Oklahoma city at a 10 Miami at an eight Clippers at a seven Sacramento or San Antonio at a 6.7 Denver at a five. And so Sacramento would have been the 10th best team in the league instead of the eighth. And they would have been six points per hundred possessions off the second best team instead of three. So you can see that's 10 years ago. That's the flattening that's taken place in this league right now. And it's, it's impactful. It means as we're projecting these teams and trying to look at what they may or may not be. And we look at the jazz and we try to figure out, well, where do the jazz rank and how do we view the jazz? And we try to, you know, break down. Well, you know, I just, I did my Northwest division uh, preview on real GM radio as they do every year with Adam Morris and Danny LaRue. And we're, I I just think it's so flat, right? Like I think Minnesota is going to play a home playoff game and everyone's like, Oh my gosh. Like, I think they're just a notch better than like the tiniest amount. And if one thing happens, it swings the whole thing, but sure. Denver's the best team in the league and Memphis is probably going to be right there in differential and Phoenix should be really good. But, like, the difference we're talking about is so minuscule. In fact, last year there wasn't a single team over eight. There's all – in 2021, there wasn't a single team over eight. What this is, is this is the previous collective bargaining agreement having its first wave of impact on the NBA and the balance and the and the, and the uh, parity of the league. And now we have a new collective bargaining agreement, which is even more severe – on teams at the top and what they're doing. And so this is going to shrink it even more. Like this is a trend that started. And as I've talked about before, had it not been for the, uh, the, the kind of weird salary cap spike that allowed Kevin Durant to sign with the Warriors. I think we would have had like nine champions in the last 10 years, like the Warriors, Oklahoma city would have probably won a title in there. Thank God they didn't. Um, and then move from there 
you would have had you you know Denver last year you just would have different champions and and we're already seeing that we're seeing this kind of parity of the league it's going to get even more severe with the rules this year of the, what the collective bargaining agreement is doing to the top teams and how they can and can't re-sign players so I'm talking about a trend that's backwards. The future trend is going to be even shrinking this even more. If you look at last year, we had two teams over five and nine teams with a differential over two. This is incredible to me. A differential over two is not much. Generally, we think of a point per 100 possessions as 2.7 wins. Okay? So if you're two two over, you're like, it's about five, right? That's about a 47, four over 41, like it's about a five. It's about a 46 win team, right? 41 and 41 should be zero. Five, 2.7 plus 2.7 is about five. Close, right? 5.4. And so that should be 46 wins. Not like we don't go crazy over 46 wins. There were only nine teams last year with a differential over two in the NBA. The year before, there were 13. In 18, 19, there were 11. In 17, 18, there were 10. In 16, 17, interestingly, there were only eight. It was a particularly top-heavy year. 13, 14, doing this kind of three-year jump, there were 12. And 10, 11, there were 11. And we're down to nine teams that actually have a differential over two. Teams with a differential over five, like really dominant teams. Last year, there were two. Year prior, there were five. Year pre-COVID, there were four. Then three in 17, 18. Three in 16, 17. Four in 13, 14. Six in 10, 11. Two last year. Zero teams over eight. Two teams over five. Only nine teams over two. So when we look at the Utah Jazz this year, we try to figure out where they fit and who they are. This The gap for them to jump people is smaller than it's ever been. It also means that there just aren't bottom-feeding teams that are terrible. You're going to go beat every night, which is good for the league. But flowery marketing bursts. If the Jazz depth really matters, like when you start projecting, Denver does not have 240 minutes of NBA basketball on their roster. They do not have 240 minutes of NBA caliber rotation players on their roster. I'm not sure, but I think that the Golden State Warriors do either. You start looking at some of the top teams, and we're going to do this. We're going to do 240s, one of our preview segments coming up. Uh, when I, As we're going through training camp and all that, we'll do all these previews and various things. You look at the Warriors. So Chris Paul, honestly questionable. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Higgins, Draymond, sure, Kevon Looney. Gary Payton, Jonathan Kaminga, maybe. Like, hasn't totally proven it. Moses Moody, maybe. Dario Saric, maybe. Corey Joseph, backup point guard, Maybe. Those are questionable numbers of whether or not those are bona fide. And I think the Clippers have 240. The Lakers, Cam Reddish, that's not 240 to me. The Christian Wood, probably not in my 240 after last year. They're a little short. They're close, but they're a little short. Derek Rose for Memphis until John Moran gets back. That David Roddy. Not Brandon Clark's out? Like, they're short. So when you suddenly look at Utah and you suddenly think, okay, we're probably have 240. 240 minutes of quality NBA rotation basketball between Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson, Lowry Markin, and John Collins, Walker Kessler, Kelly Olenek. I think Ojai counts. Kalen Horton Tucker probably counts close. Like, he's got to really still prove that. Earn it this year. 
We're close. Keontae George and Taylor Hendricks, that's going to be interesting, whether or not they can fill out the 240. And you suddenly have that depth. It may matter more than it ever has. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street. By the way, Tim Lacombe coming up here in just a second. We're just getting started on the show today. It's going to be a great one. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street. Also in Linden and in Logan, the Hyundai lineup of cars, absolutely outstanding. I'm driving one of the new Santa Fe's. Both my kids have a Santa Fe right now. And we did the research for the safety, size, uh, dollar figure. It was a no-brainer. It was the Hyundai and the Santa Fe. The electric Santa Fe's have won all the awards. The car of the year is the Ionic 6. The Motor Trend SUV of the year is the Ionic 5. The lineup of the cars is amazing. The dollar value you get for the car, super. The Murdoch service, out of this world. It's what they call their no regret system. They want to make sure you have no regrets. So email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com so that I can make sure that you get the locked on VIP experience from Murdoch Hyundai and get you set up with that VIP meeting. So you, when you walk in, you know what you're going to get. You feel good about it. And you are uh, as happy as can be. That's it. Murdoch Hyundai located in Woods, excuse me, also in Logan and in Linden at 4646 South State Street. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. The NFL season is here. Get ready for the NFL season. America's number one sports book, FanDuel, has a great offer for you. New customers can bet $5 to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. All customers who bet $5 also get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app's easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props to more. You can visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. That's right. You get $50. You get $5. You get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. You bet $5. You get $200 back in bonus bets. Plus, all the NBA props are up. We'll start looking at those coming up here in the upcoming weeks. Plus, you can get all the college football lines. As well, if you want to, over at FanDuel. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. America's number one sports book and the official sports book of Locked On. Day two with Tim Lacombe. I uh, hope you enjoyed day one. If not, it's available. It's on the play YouTube playlist with all the off-season uh, interviews we've done with Tony and Sarah and uh, Thurl and all the rest. So make sure you grab it. Uh, and been fun. Ben Anderson joined us as well. Uh, Tim will be on the pre-halftime post-game show on the radio all year long. We'll start it off uh, coming up here from Hawaii in our Maui Strong tribute and uh, fundraiser for Maui, and then we'll be in Seattle, and then we'll finally be home for a few as the season uh, gets rolling. Firing up for it. All right, last episode we talked a lot about can you live without a point guard. Let's just pretend there is a point guard in this roster, and someone is going to be announced as Dan Roberts as the point guard or something of the sort. Um, who is it? And basically what I'm really asking you is who are your starting guards on this team? I think that, um, you know, I, I really liked what I saw last year, given the minutes um, and the time we saw Chris Dunn. Um, and, and I'll tell you a couple things. I thought he gained a ton of confidence uh, as the year went on but became a little bit more of a, a scoring threat. But I like his ability to break down uh, defenses. You know, he, he like, I guess, THCN, um, 
THC and uh, and Colin, I think all three of these guys can really get somewhere on the floor uh, and require somebody else to come, you know, for different reasons. But uh, to me, I like Dunn to start a game. I like uh, Colin to kind of come in and kind of reinforce that toughness and pressure. And then you're, to me, THT is kind of your wild card, you know, kind of a guy who, like last year where they'd throw him in there with perhaps when things got stagnant. And, and I'll promise you this much, something's going to happen when he gets in there. Um, we, we saw that time and time again, and he made a play every night. It seemed that was like, wow, to me, you know, just something completely, whether it be a pass, his vision, um, you know, way he finished something, he just was a wow guy. So I kind of would put him in that order. All right. So are you starting Jordan with Chris Dunn then? I am probably, I actually would probably start Jordan and bring Ochai off the bench. Okay. So let me just, let's play back and forth, just debate corner, hanging out two guys. So Chris Dunn still to me, I think of as a non-shooter. Okay. And I don't know if you're starting John Collins, but assuming for the conversation you are, you're suddenly starting Chris Dunn, John Collins, and Walker Kessler. Is that enough shooting? Um, you, you, you know, shooting's everything. Spacing's everything, as Majerus said. Spacing is offense, and offense is spacing. Nice. Um, and, and it really is true. I mean, this, this at the time, I didn't fully understand, but as, as I've sat and watched offense, it is all about space and what creates space shooting. Um, I think Collins is a better three-point shooter and a threat uh, than perhaps we've seen, and definitely from last year, was he 29%? Yeah. So it's going to be better than that. And I think we talked about reasons why last time. I think he's going to get cleaner looks. Um, but it, it does bring up a point. You know, it's it won't be as free-flowing, per se, um, and, but, but I think that's probably where you start and then kind of adjust from there. Okay. I'm of belief. I want either Colin Sexton or Jordan Clarkson on the floor for all 48 minutes. I want one or the other on the floor for all 48 minutes. Are you with me on that? Yes. So if Clarkson is starting, do you have Ochai getting the backup two minutes behind Jordan? Yes. What is Ochai's role this year? Three and D. I think it's three and D. I think really, I I think this year's team really needs him to lock in and really prove that he can be that really great defender that guards, uh, you know, has a really difficult matchup on the wing every night. Um, Because I'm telling you, man, you saw him this summer, his body's ready for that. You know, I think he looked great. Um, He shot the ball so much better, but I think, you know, you don't want to put him in a box, but I think that that's what this team really needs him to be um, at least to start the season and, um, and just creating opportunities with his energy. What was your feeling on his summer league? I thought his body looked great. There was a part of me that considering he spent five years at Kansas that I wanted him to be maybe more dominant than he was at times in that summer league, or am I asking more that was fair out of him? Yeah, I get there too. Um, and I, I think I've, the way I've kind of dealt with it is, you know, that summer league is so new for so many guys. And you're just, you put a guy with experience out there and he's almost like, it's almost like going to a movie you've seen three times. Um, you know what's coming, but the like guy, Barbie. Exactly. You've seen yeah. Barbie a few times. Uh, 
you know what's coming, but the guy, you know, someone next to you that, that's at the show that doesn't, they're going to be a little slower to react. And um, so I think there's some of that. Obviously, I think he, he had moments where he looked great. I think he had moments where he struggled, but I think that's where he is in his career. Um, and I, I do think that his, um, his unique ability, you know, to come into games and find himself, you know, the summer league, there were a couple of games where things didn't go well for him at all. And he was able to kind of dig himself out and, and finish the game with pretty respectable outing. And so I think he's a guy that just goes out there, kind of takes that, takes what comes easy. Um, and I think that that's why three and D will re- really be important for him this year. I think that's a way he can really impact this team. His year last year is so interesting, right? Like he, he, he just develops for 41 games. Then we put him in the lineup kind of out of nowhere. It's pretty limited that, then he does well. Then, then we don't just put him in the lineup. Then we just like literally threw him. Like we took the floaties off and we threw him in the deep end. And frankly, he like he tr- he was like not quite drowning, but he wasn't getting to the edge of the pool either. I mean, I think in the final like 15, 20 games, I think he shot about 37, 38% and about 30% from three. Like we put a lot on his plate, probably more than was a script by which he could actually be successful. Um, so those numbers don't bother me at all. Like the same thing we'll talk about later, but like Keontae, I expect to have like that kind of year this year. That's just, it's too hard to be 19. Um, so I'm not like my point on Ochai is like that part. I, I just think it's interesting, right? They threw him all the way into the deep end. So if you, if I asked you like, what do you think Ochai is as a player? Do you have a f- vision of like how he fits three, four, five years down the road? Um, no, I, th- I think that that actually, you know, I think his ability to kind of grow his game will be what we see over the next couple of years. I, I mean, I have a vision for what I think he's really good at right now. Um, but I've okay, also... what, what is, you know, Will, power, Will Hardy, like, say you have your superpower. Mm-hmm. What's Ochai's superpower? Sorry to interrupt you, but what's Ochai's superpower? I think his superpower is that you can put him in, in a game, and you spoke of this completely out of the blue this last year, and he can look like he belongs. I mean, I think that guy, you know, he's played enough basketball at a high enough level that you can throw him into a game. And there'll, there'll be times where you throw a young player into a game and you can tell right away they don't belong out there. Um, I think that he has one of those advantages. And part of it's because his body's so good. But I think he's got a great mind. You know, I, I would say his single greatest ability is, is his ability to get to the next play. Um, not dwell on some of the difficulty and negative. Last year, he went down to the G League for a spell. You know, sometimes that kills guys. You, you see guys never, as silly as it is, you know, they have such a higher bar set for themselves, they can't deal with it. I think his ability to just get to the next play and the fact that he belongs, I think that's what makes him great now. But can he add to that? You know, can he be a guy that consistently goes out there and gets you 15 points a night, you know? Um, I, I think I think he's a guy that could do that. You know, I think he's got that ability, but you know, that's what we're going to be able to watch and see. Who has a better superpower, Colin Sexton or Talon Horton Tucker? So Colin Sexton to me is his is bulldog. That's, that's what I label him as his, his approach is just attack, you know, defensively you attack your opponent, offensively you attack your opponent and THC has kind of that wow factor. Um, Just as I told you, you know, there were times last year where, like, there's no possible way he's going to make that. Pl- and as I'm saying it, he's making that play. Um, I, I think they're they're both really unique, and that's why maybe this can all work because 
every guy that comes out there has a little bit different, you know, ability. But I would probably say, um, you know, that the Colin Sexton Bulldog will be something hopefully this team can latch on to. And maybe that's something that he can bring more out of guys, you know, that bulldog, that attack, that, that attack mentality. He's Tim Lacombe, pre-halftime postgame show host for the Jazz Radio Network. We love having him on with us. Uh, we'll continue with Tim here, talk about the rookies and what their role will be. I also left a question out from day one that we get to and answer the question about those guitars. We'll do all of those things as we continue here with Tim. Reminder, by the way, everybody, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is previewing the season and getting you ready for the upcoming year with Josh Lloyd. So make sure you grab a hold of that. We're not done yet. More with Tim Lacombe coming up. Today's show brought to you by Jace Medical. That's J-A-S-E Medical. Jace Medical wants to make sure that you don't get caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivered and ongoing consultation and care. So let's think about this for a second. So here's how it works. Storm, shortage, pandemics, supply chain issues, whatever it might be, you end up short. You need your antibiotic. You need something. And Jace Medical is simple and has you prepared. You go online, you fill out a form, and then you get prescription life-saving medications right to your door. Jace Case, it gives the peace of mind so that you are not just hoping you have access to medication in emergency. Jace Medical, make sure you have the medication in hand. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics from Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout on Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. It provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use, gives you a peace of mind so that you are not hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace makes Sure, you have medication on hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy, medication delivery, and ongoing consultation care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code Locked On. Uh Let's tell the story about the guitars before we get into the rookies. So why do you have five super cool guitars behind you? So I, in my youth, I was a, I was in a rock and roll band in high school, David. And in Plano, Texas, started a band called the Party Hounds. Um, and this was a way we made money through, through high school. We'd play uh, parties and gigs and school dances and things like that. Well, we put that all on the shelf for some time. And uh, about 10, 15 years ago, um, we all kind of got a wild hair to meet up in Austin again and play. And ever since we have now, we've played five or six uh, times in the last three or four years. Um, pretty cool shows. Played a couple shows in Utah this year. And I just have become now, uh, yeah, basketball is kind of, what a lot of people know me for, but music's kind of my passion now. And I learned to play the guitar self-taught, bought a bunch of these guitars at pawn shops through the years and have just uh, saw a good deal and got it. But this one over here is, that's uh, that's signed by ZZ Top. Um, oh, so, strong. Yeah, that's a cool one too that I got when they came out here and played a show. So 
thanks to my buddy Steve Wynn, he got me that one. So anyway, just you'll find me most times down in this room uh, watching tape, sorting baseball cards, and listening to music. Um, I think you did a show. When was it? I was in Scotland, so that was probably in uh, was that June of this year? You guys had a, uh, had a big we, show in Salt Lake. We actually did two shows in Provo in September. Oh, okay, um, or excuse me, in August. I'm sorry, August. August. Yeah, August fourth and fifth. So it was awesome. Had a really good turnout. Had a bunch of listeners come. You know, love it. Uh, it was cool. All right, um, let's talk about the rookies. Um, I use the Ochai Abaji model on. Taylor Hendricks and then got a bunch of kickback from listeners. When I brought this up to Sarah or Tony or Ben or others, people don't seem to think it's that strange. So maybe it wasn't, but one of the things on Taylor that I think is super interesting is that he's, he really has never been the man on his team, right? In his high school or his AAU team. And even last year, he didn't take the most shots on that team. I, I think I would like to see him spend a lot of time in the first half of the season in the G league, getting the ball and being the man. Like, when I play with rotations with him, unless he does something incredible at camp, he's 19 years old, I think it's unlikely, I, I just can't see him get more than four to five minutes a half at a time. Like, And so, fine, it'd be, it's good for him to get those 10 or 12 minutes in, in the NBA game, but I, I'd really like to see him go get 30 minutes a night with Woj and down in the Salt Lake Stars with the ball in his hands and, like, have him play the role of Lowry and get, give him the ball. What's your thought on that? I You think like a coach. <laughs> because, you know, you, the, the alternative is he plays more minutes, which is, you know, perhaps good, um, but at the expense of who, um, you know, and one of the guys that I absolutely love on this team, I take a lot of, of, of stuff from it, but I just know how he impacts winning, and that's K, KO. Um, you know, a guy that just, you talk about not having to have a point guard, a big reason is because he's the ultimate distributor from his position, a la, he like Jokic, you know, he sees, he doesn't pass quite like him, but I'm telling you big time facilitator. So you think you play more Taylor, you have, you know, who are you going to take off the floor? It's going to be Collins. It's going to be uh, a Linux. And I just think we're at a place where those guys probably need to play, but we'll see. Um, I mentioned his versatility defensively really excites me, but the be all end all you know, to improvement. And on the eve of your, uh, you know, your daughter's playing in a, in a tournament this week and you can speak to this, but it is reps. It is getting out and getting reps. You don't get better watching other people do. Um, you get better understanding, Hey, when I've got the ball and the double team comes from the top side, you know, I've got to take one release dribble this way. I mean, you have to, it's one thing to see it. It's one thing to be taught it, but it's another thing to constantly go get reps. And so I'm with you on, uh, on his development, whatever, it, whatever he's going to be able to get the most reps, um, and where we sit right now, I would say that that would be probably in the G League. When you watched his Central Florida film, like you watch him on the floor, it's like, okay, I'll take him. Like, I want him now. You watch him jump. I want him now. You watch him block a shot from the weak side. Like, I want him now. What did you think of his overall feel for the game? It's growing, you know, but you said it. This, this is a guy who, I mean, you, you get a lot of guys that are drafted in the first round after one year of college that are, they're so seeped in business already and they already know the ins and outs because they've been the best player in their age for so many years. 
that you're inheriting kind of an entity into a, unto itself. This kid, as you said, he kind of snuck up on the process. Um, you know, I heard Johnny Dawkins talk about the fact that they're, you know, I don't think anybody's more surprised than him uh, that last year, you know, got on the track that it did. And he was able to, after one year, go to the NBA because it was never in the cards. That was never anything that anybody ever talked about associated with him. So I think that there's actually some real promise there because. Yeah. Let me, let me jump, let me jump in and interrupt you. Put your coach's hat on. Yeah. Is like a guy who's never been the man by 19 years old. Is that mean that there's a whole nother chapter of this book that can be written or is that actually problematic that that hasn't been developed by them? I think that it's actually, honestly, I think it's refreshing. And I think a coach would almost see it that way um, because there is so much now of trying to navigate how you have, what do you got, 13, 14 guys on your team all claiming to be the man or having been. Um, I think there actually is some real value in having guys sneak up on the process and just by virtue of how good they actually have played as opposed to their hype machine. Um you know, I think there's some real good in that. And I think it's a, you'll watch a guy right there. They'll probably just attract knowledge like a sponge. You know, this guy is going to listen closely and take every advantage because, again, this was not in his plans. A lot of guys like Keontae George, I'm sure that, you know, him playing in the league pretty soon uh, after college was going to be in the plan from the time the kid was very, very young. Taylor Hendricks was probably thinking about what job he was going to take. Um, and all of a sudden, here he's in the NBA, and I think it's cool. What did you like most about Keontae in Summer League? Uh, his, how definitive and deliberate he was about attacking and playing, uh, you know, on, on attack. I think sometimes you see guys get out there and try to protect, um, you know, their reputation, per se. But this guy just went out there and laid it on the line. Um, and I liked that he was, you know, some games he was pretty unstoppable. I use this with a couple of people after watching him, but he seems to have a lot of those similar qualities to Jordan Clarkson. If his shoes are laced up, um, no matter where you throw him in the game, he's going to go out and instantly go get you buckets or attack the basket in a way that will hopefully get you buckets or get you to the line because he plays he plays on a direct line. I know he's had some struggles finishing around the rim um, in his time in college, and that will be something to watch. But to me, I think – he seems to be a quick study, um, and his ability was really fun. I mean, he got it going. It was uh, it was almost like, you know, a little bit of Clarkson when he gets it going. I don't know how much you watched him at Baylor and having coached as many years as you did in college. Um, do you have any insight into, I don't know, I don't want to ask you, like, their team chemistry because there's no way for you to know unless you were there, right? So. But it, it felt to me kind of funky, right? There were these veteran guards, and he suddenly had to become the third guard, and he had to get bigger. And he had, like, these nights early in the year where he dropped 30, and they, they went on, I think, a European tour, and he was dominant. It felt to me like just watching a little bit as, like, I'd watch it. I watched probably eight of their games, maybe not, maybe more. But, you know, you'd watch early, and then you'd watch late. Like, it, it felt to me like there was almost a resistance on the roster to letting Keontae George be Keontae George, if that makes sense. Like, that. Is, is that a is that a that make that up in my head or does that happen on college teams? No, I, I think it happens. I think probably even more so. I mean, I'm now four years removed from them paying guys a lot of money. You know, at Baylor they're making pretty good money to play, 
um, those guys are getting good money. So obviously, you know, that jockeying for position takes on a whole new meaning. Um, I saw NIL coming down the road, and it was hard enough to limit playing time based on ability. But when you start to throw cash on top of that and knowing, hey, we're going to sit a guy that's making more than – I mean, I, I wouldn't even want to go down that road. So, um, yeah, I sensed a little funky too, to be honest with you. Um, and I didn't know, you know, watching from a distance, sometimes his body language, I wasn't sure, you know, what vibe I was getting. Uh, so it was actually really refreshing to watch how free he played. He really played free, but he played within himself. I didn't feel like he tried to go out there and do things he couldn't do. What did you see out of Bryce Sensepaw at Ohio State? Um, you know, a, a really powerful guy, uh, packs a load, and he's certainly a, a matchup nightmare, a guy that can kind of get you down there in that mid-post area and take the wrong guy to school. Um, you know, he gets the wrong matchup. He can really do that. Does a good job of playing isolation, direct line, you know, being able to get to the basket. And, again, I think his ability to finish in and around the rim will be the story. Um, you know, if he can figure out a way. Um, he and Hendricks not being able to play this summer kind of puts him behind. So camp's going to be interesting uh, to see how things evolve. But I sense that he'll be a guy that will get a lot out of the G League too. Um, and we'll probably learn way more about him you know, further into the season based on what he's able to do and accomplish down there. He's kind of the opposite of Hendricks. Hendricks, I want to have him go to the G League so he learns how to take the ball, not play with teammates. And Sensabaugh, I need to have go to the G League to learn how to play with teammates. Yeah, exactly, right. It's kind of a funny... No, it, but that's what that thing's there for. I mean, um, there is, I can promise you this, there's lots of guys that come with, you know, you wish that everybody had that same skill set, but everybody's at a different place in their journey. Some guys do things better than others, but that that's why that G League and the the proximity here in Salt Lake is so ideal because you have that ability to, you know, even if they get sent down, they're here and, and you're working with them. And I've seen that, you know, the Jazz do an unbelievably great job with that. He's Tim Lacombe. He'll be with us tomorrow or coming up one more time later this week, and we'll break down the front court, how John Collins fits. Does he see John Collins taking the Lowry and jump? What does he see from Lowry Markkinen in the next year? How do you do that rotation? And then we'll look at the Western Conference as well. It's all coming up on Locked On Jazz here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network later this week. We're not done yet. More with Tim Lacombe coming up. Today's show brought to you by Jace Medical. That's J-A-S-E Medical. Jace Medical wants to make sure that you don't get caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivered and ongoing consultation and care. So let's think about this for a second. So here's how it works. Storm, shortage, pandemics, supply chain issues, whatever it might be, you end up short. You need your antibiotic. You need something. And Jace Medical is simple and has you prepared. You go online, you fill out a form, and then you get prescription life-saving medications right to your door. Jace Case, it gives the peace of mind so that you are not just hoping you have access to medication in emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics from Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout on Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com. That's J-A-S-E 
medical.com. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. It provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use, gives you a peace of mind so that you are not hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace makes sure you have medication on hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy, medication delivery, and ongoing consultation care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code Locked On.